0: This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We are killing it online. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. The ACC-SCC Challenge continues tonight. Wake Forest, two hours from now, facing... The Florida Gators, so glad you're here on a Wednesday drive. We have Wake Forest head coach Steve Forbes that's going to drop by for a visit in about 15 minutes from now. Last night in the ACC-SCC Challenge, there was some bad. NC State, woof, woof is right, losing at Ole Miss by a ton. Kentucky taking care of the Miami Hurricanes. But a team that... Has kind of snuck under the radar the entire offseason. Really snuck on the radar during the season a year ago. Can't be ignored any longer after beating Alabama last night. Clemson Tiger basketball is a legitimate contender in the ACC this year. A legitimate player. It's time to rank the Tigers. Brad Brownell has been at Clemson for 13 years now? For a very long time. He coached at UNCW within our state's borders for a long time, and he's won quite a bit. He's had some good basketball teams. He's never had a 6-0 team until last night. They went into Tuscaloosa, Nate Oates team ranked, and trailing in the second half, a 13 nothing run put them in front. They didn't relinquish the lead. Awesome stuff for the Clemson Tigers. Awesome for the ACC who needed it or else – They wouldn't have much shot at even tying up the ACC-SCC Challenge tonight in the first year this showcase has happened. But keeping it with the Tigers, they aren't ranked right now. They should be ranked next week. With a win like that, a signature win that is going to age well when you get into January, February, and when bubble time comes around in March. Speaking of the bubble, it's kind of absurd that Clemson didn't make the tournament a year ago. The Tigers... They finished fourth in the ACC standings. They got a double-bye in the ACC tournament. And a double-bye team didn't make the NCAAs, even though they beat NC State by a million three different times who did make it. It didn't make sense then. It makes less sense now. And Clemson has guys from that team back, P.J. Hall namely, Chase Hunter who returns, and they added a familiar face in Joe Girard from Syracuse who poured in 16 points last night. What really stands out about Clemson and what we can't say about a lot of the teams in the ACC right now is you know what you're getting from them. Brad Brownell, he's been around long enough. You know what you're getting from a Brad Brownell coach team. You know what you're getting from P.J. Hall, who's been around for multiple years now. I believe this is his third year on campus. You know what you're getting from Chase Hunter, who's been around for years as well. Joe Girard been around in the ACC. We can't say that about the high-ceiling Tar Heels. We don't quite know what they're going to be, what all those new parts are going to mesh into. Same thing for Miami. Sure, you made the Final Four a year ago. You got a lot of talent back. Wuga Poplar heard the entire offseason how he's going to take a big jump. How much are you really going to miss Isaiah Wong, the ACC Player of the Year? How much are you going to miss Guys who helped get you to that Final Four. These new pieces, how is it all going to fit? I don't have those concerns with the Clemson Tigers. So the way I see it is, how many teams do I think are better than Clemson in the ACC right now? The only one I feel comfortable saying is better than Clemson at the moment is Duke. I think Duke's more talented than everybody else in the league. They won the league last year. They brought four starters back. They brought back uh, the number one recruiting class, too. You're bringing in bona fide five-star players added to that mix. Yeah, they're the most talented team. They're the best team, and their ranking warrants that. But then I believe there's a group of four teams that whatever order you rank them in, I'm probably not going to have an issue with it. Virginia, Miami, North Carolina, and Clemson. Rank them in whatever order you please. But Clemson's in that group which means Clemson has a chance at winning the ACC, which sounds strange to say about Clemson Tiger basketball. But they are to be taken seriously. After last night, they proved that. They are legitimate contenders in the ACC and a damn good basketball team. On X, at WSJS Radio, if you want in, that's where we're streaming video. In addition to YouTube and Twitch, Steve Forbes, he's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Well... Shifting the conversation to the Carolina Panthers, though, WD, a lot of the talk, it feels like, has centered on the head coaching opening. Doesn't it feel that way that most of the conversation, a lot of Panther fans probably wouldn't even be able to tell you who they play this week. Tampa Bay. There you go. Thank you. Most Panther fans probably don't even know that because they're so focused on the head coach. But what about the GM? What's going to happen there? As David Tepper was walking away from the podium after 13 and a half, 14 minutes meeting the press yesterday. Joe Person, he asked the question, "What's the deal with Scott Fitterer? Are you going to keep Scott Fitterer?" And David Tepper chose not to answer that question. He walked off and figuring out the general manager situation is almost as important as the coaching hire. Now, I understand, since we know that there isn't, we know that Frank Reich is fired and there's going to be a change made there. That deserves most of the conversation this week. I'm not pooing that at all. But the GM piece of this is fascinating to me too because it's shocking to me, very surprising that David Tepper didn't just pull the Band-Aid on Monday. I wish we had some clarity on that. Why, unlike, say, the Raiders a few weeks ago when they fired Josh McDaniels and also fired their general manager, the Panthers didn't just do that. Let's just pull the Band-Aid one time. We're blowing it up. No more arranged marriages. We're indicating to anybody who's going to be looking at this job that if you take this job, you're not going to be... Roped in with a lame duck general manager who's on the hot seat. I don't know why the Panthers didn't do that. Because it would be a shock to me if Scott Fitterer returned as Panthers GM. I think he's still going to be fired. Because he whiffed on two top ten picks. Now, one of them isn't really his fault. J.C. Horn's just been hurt. Send me that cash out, family. But... That's still a whiff when you had the chance to draft other guys and that pick was questioned the moment that it happened. It wasn't like everybody universally agreed, oh, yeah, great pick, J.C. Horn, let's go, thumbs up.
1: Send me that cash out, family.
0: That was not the way it was received. A lot of people wonder why didn't take Justin Fields? Why didn't you just take the swing in that spot? Maybe go tackle Rashawn Slater who's turned out to be a really good tackle. If Carolina went tackle there, then they're not whiffing at tackle a year later with Ikki And the irony of that is nobody doubted that move. Everybody thought that that was awesome. And it just hasn't been. It's a whiff. Now, that doesn't mean Ikki can't one day be a serviceable left tackle. That's what Carolina hopes in the best case. You get him playing to a point where he's not hurting you. He's not a liability. He's not a turnstile. You don't need to find another tackle to replace him. He can start for you and not be worried about out there. That's not the way he's playing right now. That's what you hope he can develop into. But we do know enough to say he's not an all-pro. He's not a Hall of Fame caliber player. And when you're picking in the top 10, that's what you're looking for. That's the standard that's applied. And the Panthers have been pretty good at that. Marty Herney was a GM for 15, 16 years for the Panthers and two tours of duty. He had six top 10 picks, and I don't mean to be a broken record in continuing to bring this up, but Marty Herney wasn't the greatest GM, but he hit on those picks. 2002, Julius Peppers. 2003, Jordan Gross. 2011, Cam Newton. 2012, Luke Keekley, 2017, Christian McCaffrey. 2020, Derrick Derek Brown. That's six for six. Derek Brown's been the best player on this team this year. Now, does that mean he's going to be as good as those other guys? Maybe not, but you hit on all six of those picks. That's why Scott Fitterer is going to be let go. But who does Carolina replace him with? I think the key is finding an experienced GM, a retread, somebody who's done the job before. Scott Fitterer, he couldn't say that when he got here. And that worked to to a detriment when you were talking about a hands-on owner. How can you tell a hands-on owner what the boundaries are when you haven't experienced that position at all. Find somebody who's dealt with owners before, who's done the job before, who can come in and maybe insulate a head coach from an owner that likes to be hands-on. And there are some guys that check that box. Jeff Ireland with the Saints, been there since 2015. He used to be the Dolphins GM. Ryan Grigson's in Minnesota, drafted Andrew Luck in 2012, dealt with Jim Ursay for five years as the Colts GM. John Robinson, fired by the Titans last year, did a nice job with Tennessee for six years, and those are just a few coaches to name. But figuring out that spot is going to be just as important as the coaching hire, which is commanding most of the attention. Since we're here at the Joel, it only makes sense that we talked to the big man. And the big well. man is that guy. Wake Forest head coach Steve Forbes joins us.
2: It's The Drive with
0: Josh Graham. WSJS. We still have to figure out If that's, in fact, Steve Forbes' music anymore. Little bit of Deacon Inferno, as Steve likes to call it. Steve Forbes is joining us on location here. See, us radio folk aren't used to being in a TV booth with cameras and lights and all these things. Steve Forbes, we saved you a seat here. And it's good to have you with us, Coach. Let me turn your mic on real quick. Whoop!
1: You got it on there, Josh. Yeah, I got you.
0: Come How on, you? come on. Well,
1: I think my my uh, heart rate went up a little bit. Yeah. Climbing <laughs> up here, but hey.
0: Got to get your steps in, Coach.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you have one of those Fitbits on?
1: I have an iPhone. I what do you call these things? I watch. Yeah. And a whoop.
0: How many steps do you generally get in? I don't know. Not enough. Not enough. You have a basketball game in about an hour and a half or so. You play the Florida Gators. Mm -hmm. When you first started in the SEC, Mm -hmm. that was about the time where Billy Donovan was winning back-to-back national championships. Mm -hmm. When you think about memorable run-ins you've had with the Gators, what comes to mind?
1: Yeah, um, I think my second year in 08. Is that right? I can't remember. We clinched the SEC championship on their court. I do remember that. That was a big – John Curry was there actually that night with us. Um, It was a big win. I remember um, pretty much beating them, at least splitting with them the two times and maybe sweeping them when they won the back-to-back national championships. They were really good. We were really good. Um, It was a great rivalry. Um, A lot of good memories. Uh, You know, they've renovated their place now, but before that it was small and it smelled like chlorine. Because the pool was in there, so it was, when it got hot in there, it was hot, and uh, it was it was a fun place to play.
0: You don't have to go on the road, Steve, the entire month of December.
1: Yeah, we went the whole month of November.
0: Kind of incre- kind of incredible. Yeah. You get to. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was good. You know, we uh, had uh, kids cooked. Uh, not you know, my wife's not able to to do that yet, and so I'm definitely not uh, capable. She's not able. I'm not capable. And so my children cooked and they did a good job and we still have a little bit left.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, uh it's always a time where you're thankful, but yeah. this year especially I Yeah.
1: Been a lot different being thankful this year, you know. Um and you know, Jeanette is doing fine. It, you know, it's just it's just a long prog- you know, a long process and you know, people are asking me a lot and I appreciate it, but you know, it's it's just small little steps day to day. Um she gets uh, discouraged at times because she wants her independence back and she doesn't have it yet and so you know like today the water went out the house I don't even know where the water main is I couldn't figure it out I had to call the city you know it's just a lot of things I got to deal with um, right now that I haven't dealt with in years.
0: (laughs) Steve Forbes is here with us Wake Forest uh, basketball coach what do you think about the ACC-SEC challenge now that it's here? Mm-hmm. John Curry was saying that if he had it his way, maybe you have this thing in January. I think you've kind of yeah. seconded in that with having more of a resume when you play these types of out-of-conference games. But now that it's here, what do you think?
1: Oh, I think it's a great matchup. I mean, there's a lot of great teams in our league. A lot of great teams in the in the in the SEC. It's something new. You know, for the fans, I think I don't know how long the Big Ten thing ran, but it ran for a while,
0: close to twenty years.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with a little change? You know, and um, there's a lot of uh, pretty cool matchups. You know, uh, in these in these in these things, and so I I think it's good. Um, I think it's good because two, you know, the ACC and the SEC geographically were a little bit closer than the Big Ten, um, except maybe the new Big Ten, new ACC, but. You know, it. I think it matches up good for our fans. I think it's easier a little bit of travel. For instance, last year at this time we played at Wisconsin, won the game. But we played at, you know, we got home at 5 a.m., which was ridiculous. And they had to play on Friday against Clemson in a, in a league opener and had class and presentations due that day. I don't think we'll have extreme travel like that that we maybe had in that thing.
0: Yeah, last year that was a – Tough situation with the quick turnaround that I know you've uh, spoken about before. Steve Forbes is with us here. You know, I know you're a big fan of history. Yeah. This past week, the 60-year anniversary of the JFK assassination, that's something that I read a ton about. That's a fascinating subject for me. Yeah. What are your subjects? For me, it's always Muhammad Ali Uh, and JFK. I'll read and watch everything there is. What are? I know you love World War II, but what specifically?
1: I mean – I like all aspects. So I really, I really like. To be honest, I like the, um, the viewpoint of, the people we fought against. Like I, I watch German movies, I watch Russian movies. I watch, we didn't fight against Russia. I watch Polish movies. Um, I try to find different genres of World War II movies, and I've I've been able to do that. Britain, uh, New England has a bunch of good ones. Um, I went to Napoleon this past weekend. I, uh, I texted you. I know, but you know, you love it. I didn't love it. I liked it. Uh, yeah,
0: it is. There is a lot of battle. I thought the battle was, scenes were
1: great. I thought it was more about his personality than about the historical presence of him, which is fine. I mean, it was fine. I went with my kids. Uh, it was a good time. We did. We went on Saturday, but you know, I, I like from anywhere from probably Napoleonic to. The end of World War Two. I can I can do that.
0: W D. Were you all in? He went with me last night. He hasn't seen any of the good movies, but no, we went yeah, to go
1: see not.
2: Napoleon last night. You all in? Oh, I loved it. The battle scenes, like it almost That's, felt like a live action portrait in history. If that makes sense.
1: Right. I, just you know what just what I mean? thought he was a little quirky. Oh yes, very know, insecure. Was he? I don't know. I mean, I have Napoleon books at home. I haven't really read them front to back, but. Um, it was interesting how they portrayed him. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, and that that I just don't know how they shoot some of it. Like Ridley Scott did Gladiator, of course. So like underneath the ice, looking up, oh, yeah. like Love during that scene, yeah. that that battle scene. I don't know how they did that, but it's uh, impressive. Eleven stuff.
2: cameras he's used.
0: Huh. Eleven. Look at cameras. you, WD. I know okay. things. Huh? This is this is important to ask you. So okay. this is these are the options for WD next week. We tried to give you a wide range of <laughs> movies here. Alien, 1979. Yeah. Parenthood, 1989. Yeah. JFK, 91. Yeah. Dunkirk, 2017.
1: You know, I wasn't. I wanted to really, really like Dunkirk. I thought it was a little slow for me. Um, I'd go JFK. See
0: you and me both,
1: man. man I have yeah. it. Even though I would, you know, I would tend to lean towards Dunkirk. I just I wasn't that impressed with that movie.
0: Alien was uh, Stan Cotton's vote, and that's what the audience that has right now.
1: me. That's about upstands out. You
0: know what? Just because I want to do it, and Steve Forbes is giving me reason to to do it. WD, you're gonna watch JFK let's next go. week. Let's go! I'm Kevin excited. Kevin Costner, JFK. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a
1: good one. Oliver Stone. A lot of conspiracy theories in that deal. Oh my gosh! you <laughs> will have your head spinning. That, that movie is it. out of its mind yeah.
0: for sure. Okay, so let's get to the basketball game here, real quickly while we have you, because we never get to catch you on game day ahead of a a, a, a game. Yeah. What what is something people can watch at home? Yeah basketball snobs, watching the game at 7.15, a specific area that you circle knowing how good of a job you guys are doing?
1: Well, tonight it will be defensive transition. You know, this is one of the quickest, fastest teams in college basketball, tempo-wise, and they score a lot in in transition. So if you're watching the game and they're getting easy baskets in transition, that's, that's very problematic, you know, for us. The other thing in the half court is, if they're driving what I call the drive box or the elbows, if they're getting downhill in the paint inside our defense at will, it's going to be trouble. And so those are two big areas that I'm – and then the third area is how many offensive rebounds that they get. They're, it's, you know, they're the best at and we're not very good at. They, they, they're they like third in the country in offensive rebounds and we're, one, we're not a very good rebounding team right now. And so I think if you're watching the game and you look and say, well, they're getting a – they're not getting very many offensive rebounds they're not getting many drives they're not getting a lot of scores in transition then we're in good shape
0: yeah and we'll see if uh, the seven footer from the charlotte area uh, is able to go for yeah. florida tonight that obviously big be a big deal what's the latest you could tell us on damari monsanto
1: you know he's he's going through his uh his rehab and uh, he's working hard at it i'm just waiting for the doctor to tell me that he can start practicing he's not practicing yet he's out running and shooting but not up and down you know physicality i you know i would hope here and sometime in december you know we get him back in practice and then have him he won't be able to play right away obviously once he gets in practice it'll take probably a couple weeks and so you know maybe towards christmas or after we can hopefully get him and get him in there
0: do, do you still see him on the floor? Is he still out there getting shots up?
1: Oh, yeah, he's probably out there right – he might be out there right now. If he's shooting, <laughs> he's probably shooting from half court. You and know, making them probably. Yeah, it, sometimes it, it, it's discouraging when, you know, we're down here practicing on one end and he's over on the other end. And I turn around, and he's shooting 30-footers and draining them. I'm like, dang, you know, it would be nice to have him.
0: Steve Forbes, we'll have to do more of this. We'd love to hang out. We yeah. appreciate you having us and All helping right. us promote Wake basketball. All right,
1: man, thanks.
3: You're on the drive with Josh Graham.
0: We're here at Joel Coliseum. It's live action, Tracy. W.D. has his movie for this week. Even though last night we went to go see Napoleon together off at the AMC 12, Haines Mall Boulevard, you know, casually laying back, enjoying. We'll have to talk about that movie a little bit later on because that's not the movie that we selected for you this week. Home Alone. The holidays are here, W.D. Some call this the greatest Christmas movie ever. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's probably on the Mount Rushmore. Top four, top five Christmas movies ever. It's kind of crazy that you haven't seen it. Came out in 1990. Let's dive right into it at the movies with the WD. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Be one has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it.
2: You uncuffed swine.
0: But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. Okay, we got four categories for At The Movies with the WD. What you liked, what you didn't like, best quote, and you can guess a Rotten Tomatoes score for the movie. WD. What did you like about Home Alone 1990?
2: I enjoyed the pure chaos of the family, like, right before they leave for the flight. And and not, like, right before they leave, but, like, the night before when they're all having pizza.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the
2: chaotic scene that that was, like, you had, I don't remember the names of the family, but you had, like, the youngest brother get a chair smashed up against his face, and nobody sees it or moves it. It's just held there up against his face. Come to think of it, I think Buzz is
0: the only kid other than Kevin you actually remember his name Mm. because he has the iconic line of, I wouldn't let you share a room with me if you were growing on my...
2: Yeah, that might have been one of my quotes.
0: That is one of the (laughs) iconic quotes of this uh, movie, Uh, but Buzz, a legendary jerk brother, older brother. A lot of great lines, a lot of great dynamics between the kids.
2: I don't remember the guy's name, but it was the guy who, uh, when he got on the flight, he was he was already talking about the champagne, and oh. and he just, fill it up, fill it up.
0: Was it Frank? He was m- trying to steal the crystals? The,
2: yeah, he, they look like crystals, put them in your purse.
0: Put them in your purse. Fill it put up. Put them in your purse. Yeah.
2: Um, and also, this just looks like a blast, like if you're the kid who got left home alone, like, this looks fantastic.
0: It's interesting you should bring that up because re-watching this as an adult, it does strike me... It's great. ...how well they handled things with Macaulay Culkin. It's hard to explain to young, young people. I'm talking about, like, Zoomers, how famous Macaulay Culkin was. He hosted SNL. Like, you're talking about how famous a kid actor can be. Like We had a few of those in that era and in this movie he did all the things that a kid would do if you were home alone, you had the home home to your house, you'd eat an inordinate amount of food, junk food cream, that you weren't yep. supposed to. You'd go shopping and buy random things. <laughs> you'd jump on your parents bed. You'd do all those things and it's so craftily written, but Macaulay Culkin as Kevin is the reason why this movie I think fits so well. And also, I don't know why it slips me the name of the actress who plays the mom, who plays Mrs. McAllister. See if you can look that up for me. This is really bothering me because she's also fantastic in Shit's Creek, the show. And, hmm, what's her name? Catherine O'Hara. Oh, thank you. Catherine uh. O'Hara. Just an outstanding actress. What Did- didn't you like? About (laughs) Home Alone.
2: Can we just acknowledge what crappy, terrible parents these people are? Yeah. Like, you...
0: I have this written down, too. For for starters... Absolutely poor job by Mrs. McAllister. Played by Catherine O'Hara, in case you didn't know. Yeah,
2: like, for starters, you send the kid up to the attic not to be seen again for the rest of the night. That already was a...
0: No, 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 that's understandable. But then... He was acting like a jerk. Like, Kevin deserved what he got... That night, he didn't deserve to get left behind. He no, deserved, he definitely deserved to be banished.
2: Like you're going on family vacation and you leave your son, That's and not bad. only that, but it takes you till you're in the air on the flight to figure it out. And as you're figuring it out, you're like, "Did we forget to do something?" Did what did
0: we... she say? What did she say when did she we... realized <laughs> that she didn't have him anymore?
2: I don't remember her exact quote. Do you want to do it? Let me, let I me, don't me
0: re- if I'm going to scare anybody do we, by yelling. Did we
2: leave the coffee on? Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> did we leave the coffee on? Did we close the garage? No, you left your kid at home alone no, in a big no, no, house.
0: No, no. That's not even the worst part. That's terrible. No, no, no. Crabby. The worst part that she made, the mistake that she made as a parent, <laughs> is the phone call to the police. Oh, yeah. This is a problem that I had. She just called and said, that her kid is home alone. Okay, lady. Just like I'm in Paris, my kid is home alone. You did not explain that you went on a cross-country flight and left him. Oh yeah, we home left that detail out. Alone. Like when you say home alone, <laughs> they're probably thinking, okay, well, babysitter or whoever's gonna check in. Somebody knows that the kid is there. No, she needed to be clear that, hey, can you get somebody to knock that door down? and make sure that this eight-year-old <laughs> boy is doing okay. Also, do you not know any of your neighbors? Like, you can't call right? Mr. Mr. Walter O'Malley or whatever that guy's name is next door. Walter
2: what was the O'Malley. guy's name? I think it was O'Malley.
0: Yeah, we can't call that guy up. <laughs> Maybe they were scared of him too, I don't I know. I think so. Like, no, nobody. You know nobody who can go and check on your son at that house. Unbelievable. And I don't believe it. I believe you have more friends than that when you're in a house that's that absurdly nice. True. Plain and simple. Very true. What's the best quote?
2: Well, you you stole my thunder on. I wouldn't let you sleep in my bed if you were growing in my you-know-what. So I my second one I wrote down. Does Santa Claus, it, it's very subtle in the background of one of these scenes, but one of the the girls says, does Santa Claus have to go through customs? <laughs>
0: Great question. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he approached the fake Santa Claus. Is like, listen, I know, I know how it works. I know you're not the real Santa, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I know you work for him though. That's right. And he's like precocious, but not that precocious. That is pretty good. Uh, you know, Catherine O'Hara yelling Kevin, which I won't do again because I'm sure somebody's gonna come marching up here saying I'm being too loud. That one's good. What else is... If you I mean, if it
2: makes you feel any better, I left my reading classes.
0: <laughs> that's good. Uh, and uh, then, keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. We haven't uh, even talked about Joe Pesci at all.
2: I know. I almost wrote him down as one of the things I enjoyed about the movie. But like,
0: consider this. I believe this movie came out in November of 1990. Goodfellas came out in October of 1990. So he's on a heater. But think about those two movies. Like, think about that range where you curse more than anybody in any movie at that (laughs) time in Goodfellas as a gangster, and then a month later, you're able to be a bad guy, sure, but it's a kid's movie. Different type of range he's able to pull it off. All right, let's get to the Rotten Tomatoes score. Can you get within five for Home
2: Alone? I'm going to guess a 93. I think this one's high. 80%.
0: Ah. And that's been At The Movies with the WD. Looking at some of the other things that we have going on, you're going to be shocked to learn this, WD. But the Hornets lost last night, and the Carolina Hurricanes won.
2: I'm not shocked to hear that. (laughs) I'm really not.
0: No, The Canes, they, they they laid the beat down in Philadelphia. (laughs) You interrupted me right there, uh, interrupted me, reminded me to tell you that in Greensboro and in Kernersville at the East Coast Wings locations, Kernersville! See, our studio used to be off of Main Street and on North Main Street you could visit the East Coast Wings location. From 2 to 4 p.m which means for the next 30 minutes today, but also for the rest of the week, half-price wings at the New Garden Road location in Greensboro and also the South Main Street Did I say North Main Street? South Main Street in uh, Kernersville. See, you're Kernersville. Way ahead of me on that. But East Coast Wings, with that special, pay the a visit. Tell them that we sent you. We have John Curry that's going to join our set in about 20 minutes or so. Steve Forbes will be dropping by,
1: well. and
0: Stan Cotton. I don't know. We've got to figure out a way to work Conor O'Neill into the show just because you have the audio to potentially go along with it. You don't have that ready, do you? Uh, see, that's what happens when you doubt WD. He just immediately pulls it right out and tells you how it's done the house that Connor O'Neill built, the Joel Coliseum. Ready, Ready, set, sports. Sports. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Wake Forest Director of Athletics, John Curry, has joined our set here at Joel Coliseum we did this at a legacy federal credit union stadium, otherwise known as a legacy stadium to open the football season. We're doing this for basketball now. I guess this means we'll have to go out to the couch when baseball starts in a couple
3: of months well, too. Let, and we got to go over to tennis. Yes. To the Southern co- uh, courts and the Wake Forest uh, tennis complex. We almost no did a show from Wake Chapel when we Chris should go Paul- out to JDL Fast Track and you know when indoor track is out there. You know
0: that's what we're here for. We're Winston Salem True and True Triad True and True, uh, John Curry here with us. So it's the ACC-SEC Challenge. Wake Forest, Florida, going to tip off in about three hours. How do figuring out these matchups work? Is it ESPN in tandem with the conferences? Do you have any say? Of how these things work, I've always been curious.
3: Well, it's really a, a collaborative effort of the, um, you know, the uh, deputy commissioners for basketball in both leagues, uh, and then and then our our television partner to pick out the, and they're going to try to do it from a um, projected. Um, Uh, you know, how the team's going to be. We're going to try to create as many even matchups. It's kind of like tennis, you know, the number ones play the number ones and the number twos play the number twos and go on down. You can't do it perfect because you don't know who's going to be able to play or not able to play. Uh, You're trying to project rosters, you know, from the last season and returnees, and that's obviously gotten very, very complicated. Um, But overall, um, this is a great – uh, partnership uh, with the Southeastern Conference. Uh, we we share a partner with ESPN um, and ABC and Disney, and so it's a it's a great thing for us. And as you and I were talking before we came on the came on the air, um, you know I love those Big Ten games, uh, but I really love the games here in the Southeast.
0: Having this remain the last week of November around the start of December, rather than say be in January like the SEC has done with the Big Twelve. Is that more an ESPN decision or a conference decision?
3: Um, it's, it's more of a conference decision. Um, and from a basketball standpoint, you're trying to figure out the schedule. You know, we play 20 conference games, and, and how you fit a 20-game conference schedule uh, into the calendar from the beginning of December to the end, uh, to the end of February uh, is a challenge. Um, no pun intended, Right. <laughs> um, I do like, I, I would like to play the, the challenge series uh, at the end of January, like when, when I was in the Big 12, that's when we started doing it with the SEC. And so I think that it has some appeal, but it has a, it has a different affect on uh, on the ACC season. Now, at the end of the day, Josh, if it was a John Curry club, we wouldn't be starting basketball, we'd be starting basketball season now. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> we would have played all these uh, uh, classics uh, or, or MTEs over Thanksgiving and then December 1 would be the beginning of basketball season and we'd finish it uh, at the end of April uh, which with May Madness uh, on the first week in May. Uh, so we don't overlap with football uh, and also our fall sports, soccer, volleyball, et cetera. We We dump all that stuff on top of each other and I wish we could spread it out. But with that's it, a whole different radio segment.
0: But that being a conference decision though, is it Difficult with it being a 20-game schedule, having to sell coaches on the idea of if you have, you know, these these challenge games in January, that likely means you're going to have to play more conference games early on. I know they tried it one year where you had when they first debuted the 20-game schedule, they opened up with conference games, and you had Roy Williams and many other coaches saying, "Why are we opening up with ACC Yeah, yeah,
3: I I don't think that's the right way to do it. I mean, we've got to figure out the right way to to. Um, give our league the best possible platform to, to be the league that, that it is, which is the best basketball league in the country. But, you know, you got to win it on the court too. And so as we know, in our league we have more players that turn professional and get drafted, et cetera. And so you always have a lot of new players. And so figuring out how to get your rosters going uh, in November is, is appropriate.
0: Have conversations already started when it comes to how basketball will be approached with the three schools being added next year?
3: Um, yes, there's there's um, extensive conversations. Uh, it's complex. But, um, you know, when when we were examining uh, the opportunity to add Cal and Stanford and US and, and uh, SMU, excuse me, uh, to the ACC, we we looked at the travel impact. And, and there's obviously concern about that. Um, but we know it is not nearly as um Significant as it might have been feared, and so we know that the schools on the East Coast, like Wake Forest, uh, the, the heritage schools, if you will, of the league, you know, we'll go, we'll make one trip. Um, one, I think it's one trip every two years, or two yes. trips every three years in basketball uh, to the West Coast, and you know, a lot of ways uh, there's opportunities to do that 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 uh, that make it. Um, that give it the opportunity to be the good thing that it can be
0: yeah I think Jim Phillips handled that issue well with the way that he explained it Mm -hmm. talking about okay once every two years you make a trip you knock both those games out in the same week when you play at Cal and at Stanford and then he wanted to play ball on the ACC tournament giving his opinion that he feels having 18 teams in a conference tournament is too many you don't want to add days He wasn't opposed to potentially adding one extra team so that way you have an extra game on that Tuesday since you're already playing. He wasn't even opposed to the idea of maybe lessening the field that we already have. But what I found is it's a different – there seems to be a split between what ADs like you think about it and what coaches seem to feel about it. Where do you stand on the ACC tournament with three more teams being added to the league?
3: I think we've got to do more discussion about what sure. we're trying to accomplish. Um, and I think we've also got to be creative about how we can give every school the opportunity to uh, be playing for something at the end of the year. And that's one of the things about conference tournaments and um, uh, that, that, that gives your team something to play for. And You've st- you still got a shot, even if you've had a tough year, injuries or whatever. And So, uh, so how do we do that in a way that's additive Um, I I do believe that just tacking on additional days, you know, we used to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were done. Uh, Then it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, so so it, it can't just morph forever, but at the same time, I think there's creative ways to give everybody a shot to make it a meaningful experience
0: the biggest conversation john curry's with us here wake uh, wake athletics director the biggest conversation i hear happening in college sports this week is surrounding the transfer portal that opens up on monday doug gillen was joining us yesterday and he says their coaches are preparing for a conference championship game on saturday but also having to worry about this thing two days later that you're already seeing guys jump into the portal even though it's not officially open yet even in some cases, we're hearing about players who are already know their destination, even though they're not already in the portal. A lot of coaches are describing it to be a zoo. So what can you do from an administration standpoint and even from the football program standpoint to make sure you're prepared for something like this Monday?
3: You can stick to your principles. And you can remember that at a place like Wake Forest, you're really distinctive and you offer a world-class uh, academic experience and a world-class student-athlete experience. You're right in the middle of the best state in the country. You know, here in Winston-Salem, we're in this incredible sports market of 1.3 million people in the triad. Uh, we've got world-class state-of-the-art facilities. And we're distinctive in that we have full professors teach our classes. Our class sizes are intimate. And, and it's just not like that everywhere. So... Does the transfer portal affect that? Does NIL and the idea that you're going to get, you know, $25,000 here or $10,000 here or $50,000, does that warp perspectives of, of student athletes? Do they hear different voices? Absolutely. Deal with it. You know, grow up. You know, adapt to the way you can adapt. Continue to stress the things that are part of your fundamentals. And you know, I spent an hour and a half walking with Dave this morning, talk, Coach Klassen, talking Coach Clawson, talking about this this morning. And you know, I think he's doing a great job of focusing on the things that really matter as we build our program. Um, and and as we continue, I mean we're always in a building mode, right? And obviously, coming off of this year, which we had a year that we we're unaccustomed to, we didn't win as many games as we usually do. Um, I'm per, I'm pretty sure we'll win more games next year. Uh, but we go back to the fundamentals of our program and the relationships that our student athletes have with our coaches and the opportunities they have to play in this incredible league.
0: You say stick to your principles at the beginning of that. Are there principles you see violated elsewhere that bother you? Um, generally? I think
3: the thing that bothers me is that in this frenzy, in this frenzy, the opportunity that is most significant um, gets diminished, and in the the idea that that a college education. Um, and the opportunity to have the world-class support that our student athletes have um, is not worth it, right? And and that people are making decisions about, you know, $10,000 or $25,000 or whatever, but that's kind of evolved. You know, people have chosen schools because they like the shoe brand or because, you know, the mascot or whatever. So, you know, that's always stuff that we've dealt with, and uh, we've just got to keep our head on straight and focus on what we're good at.
0: College football playoff rankings came out last night. You already hear folks saying because Jordan Travis got hurt that potentially an unbeaten ACC champ should get left out. I don't think under any circumstances that will happen. Do you feel the same way? I agree. So go, go Knowles, go ACC this weekend. Probably I'm, I'm
3: all for the ACC, um, but candidly, I'm focused on the Demon Deacons this week, and we got a lot of stuff going on. You know? <laughs> That's a good answer. There's a, I was a, there was a, one time, you know, I was at, in Kansas for eight years, uh, Josh, and one time I was talking to a farmer. It was a terrible drought year, and I was trying to be empathetic. And I and I said to the farmer, I said, I'm so sorry about this drought and everything. And he looked at me and he said, you know, John, there's some things you can get done in a dry year that you can't get done in a wet year. Right. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. Right. And so right now, you know, we'd usually be preparing for a bowl game. We're going to be able to prepare for it. We're going to be preparing for a bowl game this time next year. I'm fully confident. And so, you know, there's some things we can get done right now that we couldn't get done if we were preparing for a bowl game right now. So we're going to make it and uh, we're going to keep building and focus on Wake Forest.
0: John Curry. Thanks for having us here. This is awesome, and we hope we could do more stuff like this.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Josh. You know, this is a great opportunity for Winston-Salem and the Triad. We've got Florida Gators coming in. I'm going to go over and pick up their AD and their board vice chair, and they're going to see how incredible our community is.